Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. episode of ClearCast. I'm your host, Katie Keller, and today I'm really excited. Our guest is joining us back on the podcast. So about a year ago, actually, almost to the date, Nelson Abbott, who is a part of NPower, joined us, and he is the Senior Director of Advanced Programs Operations. And so we'll talk a little bit about their organization. But last year, he joined me because DHS offered, through the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, a grant that offered cybersecurity training to veterans and military spouses, obviously seeing the need for cleared cyber talent. And so today we still see these issues where cyber hiring in the federal government really needs to make big changes to one, reach talent, but two, to get these really critical programs and missions fulfilled. And so today we're going to talk about just that. And I know that, and first off, Thank you so much, Nelson, for joining me on the podcast again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. And so this conversation is really important. And just kind of to do a recap of some recent events, a congressional committee brought in four tech leaders last month to testify about our shortage of cybersecurity talent and really how it impacts national security. And so that committee was hoping to find new ways to speed up cyber training in the U.S. and therefore cyber hiring. I know that when I was recruiting cyber skills and what the certifications looked like, it wasn't really matching up with what talent we had available to staff these programs. And so I know that Empower was a part of that conversation. And so if you could tell me or tell us a little bit more about that congressional committee and what Empower's presence meant for it. Yeah, sure. So our executive director in California, Chris Starling, was in attendance for that and was there as kind of a subject matter expert from the workforce development training provider perspective and really, you know, shedding the light on the work that we do and some of the challenges that we see in trying to get our trainees placed into not only entry-level IT roles, but entry-level cyber roles. And, and it was really validating, I think, for us because we were in alignment with other industry experts. There were folks from SANS Institute as well. And just, you know, knowing knowing that like, hey, we're seeing the same problems and we're speaking on, you know, addressing it with the solutions that, that we have developed in our wheelhouse and that we're not alone in addressing this challenge. Sure. And I think that the sort of, the the boot camp that you offer along with the placement for sort of on the job training is a really important piece especially as we continue to see that the unemployment rate in the cybersecurity field is close to zero talent is a, a little bit happy where they're at we need to start upskilling and training new folks that are entering the industry i would say yeah i agree and i think you know I don't disagree with you that the unemployment rate in cyber is zero, but as we know, the open job count is tremendous, right? Cyberseek.org, 630 plus thousand open cybersecurity roles. And with that lack 
of talent to fill the roles, it's increasing risk, right? So it's, you know, and, and the problem's only gotten worse over the years. I mean, I, I took over my current role in 2018. We were talking about 400,000 open cybersecurity jobs. So it's, it's an, an increase of almost 50% in the last five years in demand for that talent. So we, you know, we need to find alternative talent pipelines, you know, non-traditional talent to fill these roles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so what, and I know this is a big question, but what, what are a few things that the, you think the U.S. is doing wrong when it comes to cybersecurity and, uh, you know, gaining that talent? And how is it really a quick fix or what solutions do you think there are? And it's, there's, there's a bunch of things that are going on. You know, one is that you have HR departments that are writing jobs that they may not understand that well. They're not communicating with the cyber managers in their organizations to make sure that the job description matches what the actual job is. There is oftentimes this, you know, this hunt for the purple unicorn, as as we now call it in the cyberspace, right? And it's they have to have these entry level requirements are not entry level, right? They want people with one to five, five years experience with certifications that take five years to get. You know, in any other space, that would be a mid level to senior level role. So, so there's a certain amount of companies kind of getting in their own way when it comes to just crafting job descriptions, then, you know, people just kind of rely on recruiting within their networks that they've always relied on. And so that will kind of just go back into introducing a lot of the biases that diversity, equity, and inclusion members are trying to fight against. So again, it's this, you're narrowing the pool down even more, right? A simple thing as, hey, I have this open role, send me any recommendations from your network. Well, instead of putting it out there for everyone, you've now narrowed down that net to only people that your friends and your network are going to recommend to. I think a simple thing is removing college degree requirements, right? Especially for a lot of entry to mid-level roles may not require a college degree and it may not require a college degree in computer science, right? We, We see this craving for diversity of thought from cyber leaders well, you know, let's put that into the pipeline hunt and and really broaden the type of talent that you're looking and trying to capture with those job descriptions, right? Remove, you know, college degrees, having that requirement can be an immense barrier for underrepresented groups, right? So, so that's an area. Um, I think people looking for certifications in technologies can also be a barrier, right? The technologies are changing so fast, so rapidly, to expect someone to have a certain level of expertise in all of the technologies that your company may utilize is frankly unrealistic, right? And people can learn and be trainable, right? So those are things that are somewhat easy to teach, technical skills. What's hard to teach are teamwork, communication, time management, curiosity, intellectual curiosity, problem solving, critical thinking. So if I think if people kind of expand the skill sets that they're looking for from hard technical skills that are much easier taught to those kind of X factor skills, like the way a person approaches a problem, the way that they, you know, think about problems, solutions that they come up with, 
they'll they'll find that they have a lot more viable talent that they consider for these roles. Gosh, I mean, so much to unpack there that you sparked in my mind. I mean, first off, we've talked in recruiting about how we should be hiring based on sort of competency mapping. And if you're thinking about molding new sort of employees, it would make sense that you'd want them a little more entry level so you can teach them those technical skills up to your caliber. And the other thing is with the the degree requirement and having that diversity, or it brings in a, whether you decide to get rid of the degree de- requirement or just the computer science degree. I mean, especially as we see so many candidates looking to pivot, of course, they're not going to have a computer science degree because that maybe wasn't what was in high demand when they went to college. So I love all those thoughts and I couldn't agree more. And so, so talking a little bit about talent, but more of sort of the cyber challenges that we see that lie ahead, because there are many, especially as we see nefarious actors and regions within our world. So let's talk about why we need that talent to fulfill these missions and what kind of cyber challenges you foresee lying ahead. Yeah. You know, I, I, as I said at the top, the, these unfilled roles create more risk, and that's at all levels, private sector, public sector, nonprofit, for-profit, right? So with increased risk comes increased vulnerability to attacks, which can then affect profitability, business running. You know, I think about Maryland getting ransomware back in 2018, right? And all of the, the colleges and universities that have gotten hit during COVID, you know, it, it impacts the way society functions. And, and and just exposes more people to to those types of vulnerabilities and being taken advantage of by threat actors. So I think that's, you know, that right there is probably the most important thing. And, you know, I I always kind of talk about what if, you know, we think about the gas pipeline hack, the the meat distribution supply chain hack, and we saw what kind of chaos that caused on a regional level. Well, what if and, and then also in Florida, there was the water treatment hacks as well. Okay, those all happen separately in a regional scale. What if multiple things happen simultaneously on a national scale, right? We saw people filling up garbage bags with gasoline during the pipeline, during the colonial pipeline hack. Like if that happened with the food supply and the energy supply and the water supply all at once, it would be chaos. So I think just for like social stability alone, that's such a great argument to make. Absolutely. And not a world that I would want or a time that I would ever want to live in if all of that were to happen at once. I mean, my goodness. But um, so let's talk about what Empower does to try to help fill that gap in talent. So talk about the boot camp environment where y'all train veterans and young adults with cyber skills. And I think it's as little as 18 weeks. So let's talk about your program. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as an organization, we have three main programs. We have our Tech Fundamentals, which is for people just starting out. And that is a great entry point for folks that are new to technology, getting those you know, help desk, uh, customer service, troubleshooting type of skills. And then once they're done with that, they would then be eligible for my programs in the advanced space, which is cybersecurity and cloud computing. So all of our programs are part-time. So folks can work potentially if they need to have income to, you know, support the household and they're accelerated and they're free. There's no tuition cost, right? So they're unlike a lot of universities where people are taking out loans and grants and stuff, and they may graduate with debt that they will take decades for them to pay off. 
our students do not finish our programs with any debt at all. It's accelerated, right? Instead of two to four years in traditional college and university settings, ours, as you said, 16 to 20 weeks, depending on which program. And so it's accelerated. We want to get people into the job market as quickly as possible with the fundamental skill set that they can leverage to hopefully get into that entry level role. So, and really, you know, leveraging that diverse, non-traditional talent pool, right? As we said, cyber leaders want diversity of thought. Well, where does your thinking, what is your thinking informed by? It's informed by your experience, your life experience. And what is your life experience informed by? It's informed by your identity, your race, your gender, your sexual orientation, what part of the world you were born in, how much money your parents made, and what access to opportunities they had, right? So by tapping into that diverse pipeline of experiences and, and lived experiences that then influences the way our students think. We're, we are giving you, you know, we're, we're getting people to market quicker. We're getting these diverse thinkers that are coming with unique ways of thinking and approaching problems. And then we also base our curriculum in industry, you know, industry advised curriculums, right? What are the skills that are in demand? Are the curriculums that we're doing still up to date with the skills that are being required by employers. So, and in many cases, people are getting certifications, right? We have certification rates anywhere from, you know, 80 to 95%, depending on the program. So for jobs that still require that competency-based skill set, we, we have that as well. Awesome. Yeah. And I, again, this is such a great program that I'm going to send to so many candidates that message me about how they're able to pivot to cyber I mean, join one of these boot camps. You don't have debt. You know, it's accelerated. I love that. And so another great way that y'all kind of have tap into the military environment is, you know, I, I, I talk with so many transitioning military who are like, my MOS literally has nothing to do with what I, what I want to do or how am I supposed to translate, you know, this to that in the civilian world. And so with Empower's program, you are giving transitioning military or veterans the tools to actually put in practice in a cyber career, which I love. And so tell me how, especially to fill some of these cyber gaps that we have in openings, how can we better capitalize on military families and those that are transitioning to help connect them with these cyber opportunities and ultimately help them achieve their goals in the civilian job world. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we've been serving military connected folks for many, many years now, um, originally in certain hubs like Dallas, where a lot of retiring service members end up at, but have expanded it national to all of our locations. And then recently we got, got into an agreement with the Department of Defense to be a skill bridge training provider. And for folks that aren't aware of that, that is on-base training for transitioning service members that are within 180 days of discharge. So, and we elected to use our cybersecurity curriculum that I've been managing to use in that skill bridge program. So in terms of those folks being uniquely positioned, I think the biggest hurdle is that translation that you mentioned, right? Like if they're used to speaking in military jargon for however many years, it's, it's coaching them with our professional development components on hey, you know, don't use this military acronym, put it into business terms, right? They have, you know, especially for folks that were in leadership positions that they are uniquely set up for going into project or program management roles or, or you know, kind of those mid-level leadership managerial roles. And all they need is the technical 
component and um, knowledge to be able to manage those technical teams. So I think that's always the biggest hurdle with uh, the military connected folks is getting to getting them to translate their military speak into business speak. And, you know, we kind of have three prongs in our in all of our programs. We have the technical component, which can lead to the industry certifications, um, social support, which provides resources for challenges people may be dealing outside of the classroom, healthcare, childcare, food insecurity, dealing with the VA benefits, stuff like that. And then most importantly, the professional development. And that's where that coaching our, our military connected folks really comes into play. How to write a resume, how, what language to use, how to best um, conduct yourself in an interview, you know, and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. And I think lastly, especially for transitioning service members, they can leverage that security clearance that they still have, particularly for government facing roles. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love the business model where you're really focusing on both the personal and professional life of folks, because and I think that's something that's certainly changed since the COVID-19 pandemic. Someone happier in their personal life is going to be more productive in their professional life. And, it, you know, we've talked a lot about how we can start to recruit those who are outside of traditional networks in terms of building out the cleared cybersecurity workforce. I think that's important. So closing thoughts, um, especially with recently uh, tech companies are a little bit concerned with the Supreme Court dealings and how that could affect diversity in tech. So let's talk a little bit about why that diversity component is just ever so important and how we need to focus more energy on recruiting women and immigrants, people of color and those outside of those traditional sort of what does a cybersecurity professional look like? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes back to my point earlier where cyber leaders want diversity of thought, right? And, and that diversity of thought is informed by our life experiences and our life experiences are informed by our identities. And, and we all have lots of different types of identities, but if, you know, I'll, I'll take an example from one of our employer partners, you know, they expressed frustration that the hiring team always went back to the same five colleges for recruitment, for college recruitment. You're not going to get a lot of diversity if you keep going back to the same pond, right? There's lots of different ponds of talent out there. And if you're only fishing from a small number of them, you're going to get the same type of thought patterns and, and that lack of diversity that, that cyber managers don't want, right? So I think... You know, I think if anything, it's only shown how important it is. I also think, you know, this is something we've been talking a lot about over the last couple of weeks here at NPower. Uh, I think the one thing to keep in mind is that that was for school admissions, not for job applications. So while it is something that we need to keep an eye on, it doesn't directly apply to the work that we do working with employers. And we've seen a lot of, you know, been hearing a lot of support from our current partners that say, hey, you know what? It's even more important the work that we're doing now and seeing articles by folks uh, that work in the workforce space that say, you know what, like we're going to have those uncomfortable conversations, but we need to hit it. You know, we need to attack it head on and have those conversations and come to an agreement. So I think if anything, it's just kind of solidified the importance of the work that we're doing. Absolutely. Great work. And again, for all of the candidates that message me about how do I pivot to cyber, doing boot camps like this is certainly a great start. And so we will link to the Homeland Security Committee that we referenced at the beginning of this interview. But Nelson, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Cleared Cast today. 
If listeners need more information on cyber hiring, cyber opportunities, or how to pivot to cyber, you can visit news.fairsjobs.com.